Turn the Bible, if you would, please, to the book of Mark, chapter 5. Mark, chapter 5. I tell you, we just heard two powerful songs those young ladies sang, Bury My Heart on the Mission Field. You know, God had one son, and he was a missionary, and he buried his heart on the mission field and his body. But three days later, he got up. And later he ascended back to heaven and sat down on the right hand of the Father with the promise, I will come again. And then the young lady just sang my plea. My sins were many, my virtues were few. If someone were to say, why are you here? Why are you trying to get in heaven? It's not how good I am. It's not what religion I am. It's the fact that my plea is Jesus. Now there's warned in the Bible for that. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. A simple verse was verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. When I was 19 years old, on May the 7th, 1962, serving in the United States Navy, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and he changed my life. I shudder to think where I might would be tonight had I not gotten saved. And I told you last night about that curve, S-curve, that we took at 90 miles an hour with my uncle driving, who'd been under the influence, and there was about 13 to 15 of us in that car. But it's good to be saved. Amen. I got saved when I was 19. Miss Judy got saved when she was a little girl. And uh, so she got saved from a lot of stuff that she didn't have to drag to bed with her every night, baggage. That's, you get forgiven of it, but sometimes you don't forget what you went through, wish you didn't do some of that kind of stuff. When I, I sort of had to chuckle a little bit, I think, inside when Pastor was telling about trying to get in that that outfit from India. This elderly lady, she was about 60. She's a little porky. And she wanted to lose some weight, so she joined this fitness club. So she goes down to the fitness club, and uh, she stretches, she pulls, she jumps, she hops, she flips, she falls. She does black flapjacks and all these kinds of things. And uh, finally, when she got those leotards on, the class was over. <laughs> You know, Missions Conference is a great time of year. I really admire all of you people from Landmark that you'd be in Missions Conference. I'm thrilled and honored that my brother Jackie and Carol are here tonight. And uh, uh, Brother Flynn's dad is here tonight, Mike. We go back a long way, uh, Mike and I years ago, and then Mike and Jackie, and then his friend, Mr. Alan Kelly, and uh, the rest of you, just for being here. Isn't the Lord good to us? Amen. This one guy surrendered to go to the mission field. He was going to go to Africa. And someone said, well, are you going to go to school and learn the language? He said, no, I need to get over there and just get busy serving the Lord. So he bought a ticket to Africa. He got off the boat and he bought himself a machete. And he's hacking his way back into the interior. And he comes to this clearing. And across the way is the largest native he's ever seen in his life. And he said, 
I wish I'd have taken time to learn the language. Well, he didn't know what to do. He just threw his hand up and said, hello. And the native threw his hand up and he said, hello. And the missionary said, do you speak English? And the native said, yes. He said, where did you learn to speak English in the jungle? He said, shortwave radio. How many of you remember when missionaries would come to your church and they would show slides? Now, today they have DVDs and it's a little more updated and so forth, but they used to show slides. Now, I didn't mind those if they let me hold the clicker. And that way, it doesn't take me long to look at a picture, you know, so I'd want to flip on through that. Well, this one couple, they were captured by cannibals and they were going to eat them. But these cannibals had been influenced by Western thought. And they said, now, before we eat you, we're going to give you one last wish. And the missionary said, well, in that case, I'd like to show my missionary slides one more time. (laughs) And his wife said, if he's going to show those slides, eat me first. (laughs) I've seen those slides many times. Have you found Mark's gospel chapter five yet? The story that I'm going to read to you, have you ever heard this saying, sin will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. Now, when I read this story to you, see if maybe you could see some of that in this story. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1, And they came over into the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always... Did you catch that? And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him and cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country, and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed. And in his right mind, and they were afraid. 
And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. Decapolis means ten cities. How great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. Now I'm going to read that same story, but just a couple of verses from Luke's account. In Luke's gospel, chapter 8, verse 38. Now the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away saying, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. May it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval upon the reading, hearing, heeding, and preaching of his forever settled in heaven word of God. And before I ask you to pray with me, may I give you three quick facts about God. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endureth to all generations. Would you pray with me and for me, please? Father, it has been good thus far to hear what we've heard tonight, to hear the young man laid on his heart, Mozambique, to hear what has been sung by the missionaries that sang, those young men, young ladies, and then by the ladies who sang, and then the young lady. It has been good. It has been good to have been in the house of the Lord. And Father, we pray now just for a few moments that your will would be done in every heart and in every life. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know when this young man did his first sin, how big it was, but this is the way sin works. You do a sin, you experiment with it. And you may not even like it, but you experiment with it again. And after a while, it's like if you're a smoker, the first time you ever smoked, you about choked to death. But you kept doing it. And then you started to enjoy it. And then you get enslaved by it. I was spared the habit of smoking because I tried to inhale when I was just a young kid on a farm at somebody's house. And the guy said, you got to inhale it. I said, what's that? He said, swallow the smoke. I swallowed it and I couldn't breathe. <laughs> I thought it was going to maybe die right there. And then like all of a sudden, it's like somebody took a little pin and poked a hole in it to let a little air in and out. And then I, and I said then to myself, that's not for me. There are people who did that, and then they did it more, and they enjoyed it. And then they got enslaved by it. I don't know when this guy did his first sin or what it was. But somewhere along the line, this man opened himself up to the devil's. And uh, there was a bunch of them. They were called a legion. There were many of those evil spirits in this man. They controlled him. They controlled him so that he could not be controlled by others. They bind him up with chains. And he, under the spell of those, those uh, spirits, he'd just break them asunder. Uh, he was in the mountains. He was in the tombs. Always, night and day, he was one unholy terror. 
emotionally, this guy was disturbed. Physically, he was destructive. Spiritually, he was dominated by evil spirits. He was one unhealthy, unhappy person until Jesus showed up. You know, when Jesus shows up, there's always hope. Pastors talked about passing out the tracks. One of my favorite tracks to pass out is this one. It's called Here's Hope. And I usually give it to somebody and say, could I give you some hope? And sometimes people will say, well, everybody needs hope. If they don't say it, I'll tell them. Everybody needs hope. And everybody does need hope. And uh, one day Jesus showed up and this man had, had some hope. He had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And in this encounter, Jesus had cast those evil spirits out of that man. And all of a sudden this man who was a raving maniac, is now he is found sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. What an experience this man had with the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus is going to leave, and this young man prayed him that he could go with him. Now, there are a few prayers in this chapter. One prayer is that the devil said, would you, they asked Jesus, would you let us go into the swine? Jesus let him go. When the city people came out and the people of that area saw what was done, they did not like what Jesus was doing in their country. You would have thought they would have been happy. He has just solved a major problem from them. He has taken away the unholy terror from that area. But the people prayed him, leave. Not everybody wants Jesus to show up where they live. Have you ever thought about what if Jesus in person showed up in Winchester, Kentucky, my hometown? Or your hometown? There are a lot of things that would have to go. Look at the bars that would close down, the brothels that would close down, the gambling dens that would close down, the liquor traffic and the drug traffic and all that stuff. Jesus, he would not be good for that kind of business at all. And so they prayed him. You would have thought they would have gotten ever diseased person in that island or that part of the country brought them to Jesus and let him take care of them. But they didn't. And so they prayed Jesus to leave. And so he, he answered that prayer. He left. But there was another prayer. The young man who had just been healed of these evil spirits prayed him that I could go with you. Let me go with you. And the Bible says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, he did not allow him to. Now, this is the missions conference. What I'm talking to you about tonight is the wild man who became a witness. I'm talking about a maniac who became a missionary. Can a maniac become a missionary? Well, of course. A maniac is just another word for saying he was a sinner. Maybe he was a little deeper in sin than some people have gone. But if you're a sinner, you're a sinner. And uh, sinners need to be saved. Did you realize if God did not use sinners, he wouldn't use anybody? David was one of the holiest men in the Bible, and he had his sins. Samson was the strongest man in the Bible, and he had his sins. Solomon was the wisest man in the Bible, and he had his sins. There's not a man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Anybody here would say, I've never sinned. A preacher was preaching one time, and he said, does anybody here know anybody perfect? 
Anybody at all. Do you know anybody perfect? And uh, this little old uh, skinny guy, he raised his hand. And he said, are you trying to say you're perfect? He said, no, but my wife's first husband was. <laughs> well, he wasn't either. But she might have given this second one the thought that this first guy was. So Jesus is saying to this man, no, I don't want you to come with me. I'm not going to answer that prayer. Here's what I want you to do. Now, this is how this is how mission starts in a life. You heard a testimony tonight and you heard a testimony last night of how God was working in somebody's life. And there are other missionaries that could give their testimony how God was working in their life. You know where it starts? Jesus said in the Mark 5 passage in verse 19, go home. Now, the Luke 8 passage said, go to thine own house. Now, for some time, he has not been at home. He has been a wild man. He has been a maniac. He has ruled the mountains and the tombs, screeching, and he was a horrible individual. He walked out on his wife one day. If he had kids, he walked out on them, but he had a house. And when Jesus came to him, calmed him down, converted him, changed him, clothed him, and commissioned him. Go home. Can you imagine? Here's mama. She's out in the backyard. They have washers and dryers like we have today. She was washing stuff by hand and she's hanging clothes up. And little kids are playing in the, gar- in the yard. And all of a sudden, here comes the wild man. At least that's what she thought. The last time she saw him, he was a wild man. The last time the kids heard anything about him, he was a maniac. But all of a sudden, he's a little calm. So when he gets to the gate, he opens the gate, comes in, and the little kids run to mama, grab her skirts. Mama, mama, there's daddy. He said, it's okay, hon. Children, you don't have to be afraid of daddy. You've got a brand new daddy now. I met Jesus, and he changed my life. And he told me to come home and tell you. And so this man held those little kids, first time in a long time, and hugged them up. And held his wife in his arms and said, you got a new daddy now. I'm not the same guy who left here. Jesus has changed my life. And he told me to go home and tell. And the passage in Luke says, go home and show. It's the ultimate show and tell. You tell people what God's done for you. And then the way you live, you show them what God's done for you. You know, I'll tell you, folks, Winchester, Kentucky is fed up with hypocrites. And so is Fort Myers and so is Lexington and any other place that you and I have may have ever lived. We, we ought to act like what we profess that we are. You're a Christian. Now, everybody knows we're not perfect. We know that. And they know that. But at least you don't have to be a phony about it. Your kids know whether you're, you know, they see how you act in church and they see how you act at home. Just try to make them match. Go home. Tell them. Show them. Then you go from there. This is how the missionary works. You go home. You start there. You know, just because you get on a boat and cross an ocean or get in a plane and fly across the world does not make you a missionary. As a matter of fact, you may not be much of a missionary if you don't start where you are. Missions starts where you are and tells what you know. Now, as far as we know, this guy never went to seminary. He never went on a soul winning seminar. He just went and showed them and told them what the Lord. He said, tell them how the Lord hath had compassion on thee. 
You know, sometimes one of the best things you can tell somebody, did you know that God really loves you? God really loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You go home and tell them. When I got saved on May the 7th, 1962, I wrote a letter home to uh, Jackie and I's dad and mom. And I told them about getting saved, what the Lord did for me. And in that letter, I thanked my dad for the way he raised me. He spanked me when I did wrong, disciplined me. And I said, Dad, I can't believe I said this to him, but I did. I said, Dad, I want to thank you for every whipping you ever gave me. And the truth is, you missed a few opportunities. You'd have thought I'd have left that alone. Because if Jackie got one, I got one. If I got one, Jackie and Larry got one. We were a trio of, <laughs> a trio of trouble, uh, such as it was. But that's the way we were raised like that. And I thanked my dad for that. And I just told him that God changed my life. My mother worked for Sylvania for a number of years. She took that letter out to Sylvania and read it to some of her co-workers. And some of those ladies were mothers of people that I went to school with. And they said, could I take that letter home and read it to my family? She let people take the letter home and read it to them. I started at home. I told them what the Lord had done for me. Then he said, go home. Look again at verse 19. To thy friends. You know who needs to know that you got saved? Your friends. Just tell them. It doesn't have to be anything earth shaking. Just let them know. Say, look, I'm not the guy I used to be. Oh, I'm not perfect. Don't claim to be. But I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I went in the hospital one day to visit a guy. He was about 35 years old. He was a father of two teenagers. And he had cancer. So he's dying. His name was Gary. I said, Gary, I want to pray for you. He said, I don't want you to pray for me. I said, you don't want me to pray for you? He said, no. And I stood there for just a few seconds and I said to him, Gary, you're mad at God, aren't you? It's like he looked at me like, how did you know? Well, he's 30-some years old, got kids, got cancer. He's going to probably check out pretty soon. He was mad at God. I said, Gary, why don't you just go ahead and tell God you're mad at him? He looked at me like, it's okay for me to tell God I'm mad at him? I said, well, he already knows it. Just tell him. I didn't pray for him because he didn't want me to pray for him. I went back a few days later. And this time, when I was talking to him, I led him to Christ. Because he had told God, he was mad at him, got that off his chest. And God didn't zap him when he told him that he was mad at him. He just listened to him. And when he got saved, got out of the hospital, he went down to his old haunts where he was running with his crowd. And he said, fellas, I just want you to know I won't be back here anymore. It wasn't because he was going to die. But he said, the Lord changed my life. I'm not going to be back in this lifestyle anymore. Now, he didn't live a long time, and yet he's living forever. <laughs> For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You'll never perish, but have everlasting life. He went and told his friends. I got saved in the United States Navy. There was a guy named Jimmy Jackson. He was from Columbus, Georgia. I was from Winchester, Kentucky. We became fast friends, played basketball together. And uh, I was going through the chow line, and a cook witnessed to me. And I went to church with them, didn't get saved that day, held on to the back of the pew, 
God was stirring in my heart, but I didn't go forward. After the service, the cook said, Strange, I thought you were going to get saved today. I didn't say anything. I was about to cry. A few days later, I was on the back of a John Deere tractor. And I was in either a cornfield or a soybean patch. And I stopped this tractor. I'd heard in the Bible, the sinner's prayer was, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I stopped this tractor, hand clutch. I bowed my head and I said, God, be merciful to me, a And I wouldn't say sinner. I looked up and I said, no, God, don't save me now. I grabbed the hand clutch of that tractor, took off, made a few rounds, stopped that tractor the second time. I bowed my head and I said, God, be merciful to me. I wouldn't say it. I said, no, God, don't save me now. I grabbed the hand clutch and took off. You see, I had a date that Friday night. And for some reason, I was thinking that if I got saved, I couldn't have that date. Of course, that was the, the devil deceiving me. I had the date. It was not Miss Judy that I married. I met her later, married her. But a few days after that, a fellow came by my bunk and just going through the plan of salvation out of the Bible and said, Strange, would you like to be saved today? And I said, yes, I would. In May the 7th, 1962, I called on the Lord Jesus Christ and he changed my life. Go tell your friends. That friend I had, we were best of buddies. He went that way that we were going, and I went this way. But we still were friends, but we weren't like before. When I got out of the Navy, went to college, and I was preaching, I was back up in that area, and I'd heard that my friend Jimmy Jackson had gotten out of the Navy, and he was working for the Highway Patrol Department. So I called the Highway Patrol. I said, does Jimmy Jackson work there? They said, no, he used to. But he still lives in the area. I said, could you give me his phone number? He said, I can't do that. And I said, sir, my name's Don Strange. I pastor a church over in Lexington, Kentucky. We were good friends in the Navy. I just wanted to see him. And the guy said, I'm going to give you his number, but you didn't get it from me. I said, that's fine. So I called Jimmy. Jimmy, this is a voice out of the past. Do you know who this is? Nope. I said, Northwest Virginia. That was the radio station. Nope. I said, saved. He said, Strange, is that you? I said, Jim, it's me. I was down at Mr. Donut where I called him from. He came down, and we just reminisced. And uh, I told him how to be saved. I said, Jimmy, you need to be saved. And I went through the plan of salvation with him. I said, Jimmy, would you like to be saved today? He said, not now. He said, now, you know, I was married. My wife was saved. And he said, um, but I'm not saved. I said, Jimmy, I have to go. I have some friends waiting on me. And I said goodbye to him. Two weeks later, I got a letter from his wife. She said, Dear Brother Strange, you don't know me. I'm Jimmy Jackson's wife. When you met with him a couple weeks ago, he came home and he told me everything you told him. He didn't get saved, but I just want you to know I did. And she was going to get baptized in the same church that his first wife was going to. But he didn't get saved. A number of months ago, I get a phone call in Fort Myers, and he said, Strange, this is Jimmy Jackson. I just want you to know I got saved. I said, Jimmy, that's wonderful. He was living down in Georgia. I'd really like to see him, but we haven't seen each other. But go tell your friends. You have friends. If you're going to wait to be a missionary until you get over there somewhere, you're probably not going to do real good at it. Start where you are. But they'll laugh at me. Well, let them laugh. Harry Ironside, who became a great 
preacher of yesteryear. His mother said, Harry, you need to get saved. He said, but mama, if I get saved, all my friends will laugh at me. She said, Harry, your friends can laugh you into hell, but they can't laugh you out. He got saved. And so this man, he went home, told them. Then he had some friends and he told them. And then the Bible tells us in that passage in, in the Luke's 8, chapter 39, that he said, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published through the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. After he told his home and his friends, he just started going people to people, door to door, wherever he found people in the city. And he was telling everybody. Now, this was back before they had gospel tracts, before they had all that. kind. Of, he'd just go and tell them. Everybody knew who this guy was. They all knew. They knew there had been a change in him. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So he told everybody in his city. Now, when he got through with his city, you might have thought, well, he can sort of rest now. He's told everybody in his city. But this is a maniac who became a missionary. The Bible tells us back in the Mark 5 passage, he departed and began to publish in Decapolis. That's 10 cities. What a missionary. He's told everybody in this town. He went over to Paris. He went over to Lexington. He went over to Mount Sterling. He went over to Richmond. He went over to Irvine. He went over to Cynthiana. He went to 10 cities and was telling Everybody, what God had done for him. I say this guy's going to make a pretty good missionary. I'd say he is a pretty good missionary. He was a maniac that became a missionary. You say, well, if that guy could become a missionary, maybe I could become a missionary. Not everybody's going to go to Mozambique or Taiwan or any, any place else. But everybody can be a witness. You can invite people to your church to hear your pastor. You could pray for people and try to win them to Christ. Problem is today, people are not trying. You know, I, I watched probably like some of you last night what they did at former President Trump's house. And uh, I don't know if you're paying attention or not, but it's pretty scary in America right now. We could lose the whole thing. Easy. God's people, Scripture says in 2 Chronicles 7, 14, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know that's the answer to America? For God's people, humble themselves, pray, turn from their wicked ways. And God said when you do that, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive your sin, and I will heal your land. Do you know what the very next verse says? Most people only know 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Verse 15 says, My ear is open to their cry, and my eyes are upon them. It's like God is saying, I want you to call on me. And we don't call on him. A lady called her pastor, happened to be Adrian Rogers, and she's sobbing. She said, oh, Pastor Rogers, oh, Pastor Roberts, oh, Pastor Rogers. 
He said, calm down, lady. What's, what's the problem? She said, oh, Pastor Roger, my daddy, my daddy has died and he's gone to hell. My daddy, a doctor, my daddy, a medical doctor. He was not a believer. He's in hell. Oh, Pastor Rogers. He said, lady, your daddy is not in hell. Oh, Pastor, he was not a believer. Lady, last week, I went by to see your daddy and I asked him if he were saved and he said no. And I asked him if he would like to be saved and he said yes. So I showed him how to be saved and he repented of his sins and trusted Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. Your daddy didn't go to hell. Your daddy went to heaven. He said, let me ask you a question. Did you ever tell your daddy how to be saved. She said, oh, pastor, I meant to. I was going to. I meant to. And he said to this lady, as kindly as he knew how, if it were left up to you, he would be in hell. The day you get salvation would be a wonderful day. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God would have all men to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. He is the savior of all men. Especially of them that believe. You must believe. Your sin may not have taken you as far as the maniac's sin took him. But still enough to send you to hell. You need a savior. It's a missions conference. We don't have to wait till these young men. These young ladies go to a mission field somewhere and try to be a witness. God could save people here right now. If they would be willing to call on the Lord for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.